Hi, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Chainbytes 360 podcast, the podcast about everything from cryptocurrency and underlying technologies to current news in the industry. In today's episode, we're going to talk with Cedric Youngleman. Cedric is well known in the Bitcoin community for his podcast, The Bitcoin Matrix. The podcast is about exploring Bitcoin, the future of money, and the social, cultural, economical, and philosophical implications of the technology. So we're going to go ahead and get into it. I'm Jeremy Snyder, the CEO of BTM Compliance, joined by Eric Grill, the CEO of Chainbytes. As always, let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast, Cedric. I found Bitcoin in 2017 in earnest. I think I'd heard about it a couple of times before that, but it didn't really stick. And when I found it in 2017, it was really about speculation at that point. The price was... but. Why was I looking to speculate on anything or why was I attracted to the idea of speculating anything? I still think it's a very important subtext to the story. And I think that's inflation. And that's like trying to keep up with your life, whatever your life is, especially if you're in a salaried position or you're growing a business that's not growing dramatically. Cost of living is a huge concern. And so when I found Bitcoin in 2017, I speculated a bit on it. And there's really a longer story there about altcoins and moving money from banks to Coinbase and coming to Coinbase and seeing other coins I could buy and unit price bias. So that's a rabbit hole of itself. But what Bitcoin really means to me is building a moat in my life around external control into my life. So uh, I first started with money, with you come for the gains and you stay for the money. And what that meant to me was I had savings for the first time. And it didn't maybe amount to much. Maybe I only had a few Satoshis. But the idea that I could have money outside of the purview of anyone else and I could have a fair shake with that system and nobody could elbow their way in front of me or politic their way in front of me. It, it became a savings vehicle and a way for my family to plan and think about the future and defend ourselves against those external forces. I think that's kind of the... The highest level I could do it. We could go into all... So infl inflation was your big driver, but you obviously had to believe in the technology itself to believe that it would beat inflation, right? That there would be a value. What I just went over there is like really a story over around 18 to 24 months. So first, you, for me, bought some sats. Uh, price ran a lot in November and December. Some of the other altcoins, and sh I'll call them shitcoins. I don't know if that's okay here. But so those things even did better during that time frame. And then they all crashed heavily. And I came at it as well, multifaceted. And Bitcoin is multifaceted, but it's an elephant. You can't see the whole thing. And I was thinking a lot about the technology and a lot about blockchain. Uh, there were those narratives that education wasn't as good back then. Content wasn't as strong. So I did have to go through that process of understanding what it was that I was holding uh, why I feel Bitcoin is the only thing worth holding in, in that category, but in most categories, I think as well. I think it's become one of the most risk-free assets I could think of now or the only one. But that was an evolved story for myself, and I didn't come to that conclusion very quickly. It's interesting you say risk-free, right? Most people would consider treasury bonds. That's the most risk-free investment in the world. And I'm like, are you insane? <laughs> that just never made sense, even from my days in... That never made sense to me at all. Like, why, they're not credit worthy in my eyes. Like, they have a lot of debt. I don't know. Yeah, they're not going to pay it back anyway. But well, uh, you just have to ignore the law, of, laws of physics when they say it's risk free, and that's fine. And I think in sort of that academic sense, and pre Bitcoin, and for myself, pre Austrian economics, you went with their stipulation. They had the guns, and you just took the risk free rate as is. And 
you almost, to your point though, it, it took 20 years to revisit that notion of why I thought that was crazy in the first place. Because then you I worked workforce. in the hedge fund space, so I was a software developer building all those crazy systems. And for me, in 2012, I found this thing called Bitcoin and I was like, what? This is going to change everything. All these stupid, you were talking about a moat. I was, I, that's how I would describe it. We're building moats around all of our systems and trying to secure it with, there's airplanes. Like they don't care about the moat. Like we've, <laughs> we're time to move on. And Honestly, that's what I did. I resigned and I moved on and I've done nothing but Bitcoin since and I will die doing Bitcoin. That's I believe in it. For me, I've played around in all the other altcoins and stuff as they came along because when I got started, there was only Bitcoin. Then came Litecoin mm. and Dogecoin and then a million of these altcoins. We played around with stuff and tried to do stuff better. And at the end of the day, none of that mattered anyway. And we're doing the same things over and over again. And here we are again, a bunch of coins doing pretty much the same things and competing for viability or whatever, which... It's cool. It's interesting. It's I love to watch it now, but I've, I guess I've become jaded. As yeah, a, I'm jaded as, as well. <laughs> it's hard not to be. I'm very jaded towards Coinbase and the way they positioned those assets. And yeah, I think. But I think it's. Well, I don't even journey. care about the price of. I don't even care about the. So I don't even care about the price of Bitcoin or the price of these altcoins or anything like that. What I care about is the functionality of there. And a lot of times, these there's not really bringing new. Oh, it's mine's faster. Oh, mine's this. that's not really innovative. You have to do something that 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 really there's a need for and a lot of these things are yeah. building something looking for no and it, yeah there's no real use case that is bored and bared out but in the beginning yeah i was looking at price and i was confounded and confused and they know the difference in the technology i didn't know how to verify for myself and that's where the work came so i had to put in the work to understand what made bitcoin different or what is bitcoin and how these other things are different and how the what those trade-offs then mean to me. Uh, and they didn't mean anything to me in terms of like, when you looked at, oh, this one does more transactions or it's got aggressive speed or different governance. Maybe. Those trade-offs weren't worth anything to me, but I had to do the research to get to there for myself. But you consider yourself a Bitcoin maxi. Like you're Bitcoin. Yeah. I, already, I don't even have to answer the question. I already, I can hear from you that like your responses. <laughs> but a lot of it, but how do you respond to people that say it's lazy not to look at these other technologies and you're just focused on Bitcoin? So what is your response to that? I have my own, but I'm just curious how you respond. To yeah, that. I'd be curious to hear yours. Mine is, I think you could put in the work and look at those things. I did. I had to understand what was going on here. And I learned about Bitcoin sometimes in relation to those other projects, but none of those projects bore out in any value or use case. But I was lost in, in the Wild West here. And I think that's part of, we, as Bitcoiners, we try to help other people avoid those pitfalls, uh, but I, I didn't have anyone people get confused, to help right? I don't talk about other coins, but that doesn't mean I don't look at them and play around with them. I've got like everything. I play with everything and see what works and what's cool. And I'm a programmer, so I'll pull it off and I'll, I'll play around in it and see what it's, but most of it's nonsense. I'm on, some of it's cool and some of it's like really got a steep learning curve. And I'm like, okay, maybe sure. if it catches on, I'll really take a deep dive in that. What do I talk about? I only talk about Bitcoin because at the end of the day, if Bitcoin isn't successful, none of the rest of this matters. And it won't be important how many transactions a second you use if you don't, it doesn't get used. What are your thoughts on Lightning? How do you feel about Lightning? I think Lightning is a tremendous development in the space. I think layer two and layer three technology and Four, five, and six are going to be developments that are going to be very important for Bitcoin's evolution. Uh, I'm not an expert on Lightning. I do think that it seems to be bringing a lot of value to the space. I agree. I love it. I think it's fantastic. It's taken over, like everybody was worried about the things with transactions per second and things like that on Bitcoin. And they moved that to second layer. And it's just like back in the wars with TCPIP and NetBuoy and all these other protocols. It, it didn't really matter at the end of the day. It was just like whatever had net effects that you went with and you built everything on top of it. You know, the sort of the same thing here. Just, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I also think for myself, I'm primarily a stack and cold storage. 
So I don't get involved a lot in the technology of lightning. I do think that it'd be interesting to see if that becomes the Wait, have you used it? Have you done a transaction yes. in Lightning? I, I have a node. I've... It's fun. It's amazing, right? It's just yeah. when the first time I went to El Zante in, in El Salvador, they were saying, here, Bitcoin. And I'm like, it's not Bitcoin. And then, this isn't scanning. And Jimmy Song, I was with him and I was like, nope, it's not Bitcoin. It's Lightning. And he was shocked. Everyone just thought it was Bitcoin. And pick people from the outside are explaining. They're like, well, yeah, but it's wrapped in Lightning. It's Yep. So it'll be interesting. For I'd love to see it become solidified and be the layer two of the future, but I'm not certain there won't be competition and oh, or be. just yeah, of course, be, and different uses. But you cases. can actually utilize it. So one of the yeah. projects we're doing, we can you can utilize the technology with other chains and other things. So it doesn't stand alone. Like there's other this cross chain hacking that we keep seeing over and over again. That could potentially be the solution to some of that as well. But. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think of the state of the software development in Bitcoin and why, arguably, it hasn't come very far as everything else has? It's the opposite of move fast and break things. Not and the core. I'm not talking about Bitcoin sure. itself. Okay. I'm talking about like Lightning and Liquid and mm. other things that have been layer two types type technologies. Yeah, I agree. Don't touch Bitcoin. Leave the whatever this nonsense I, I keep trying to add in. Leave that out. Just but um, sure. From a very <laughs> high level, I still think a lot of that technology is very push based. So I don't think users are demanding this technology and not that users necessarily understand what they need or going to want. But this is really developers and entrepreneurs creating things and pushing it out and seeing what sticks. I think obviously if the market price, and I don't talk about price too much, but if that was higher, I think you'd see see even more R&D. You'd see more excitement, maybe in retail. But I still don't. And still liquidity is really high for consumers. And they understand that as savings and then maybe a medium exchange or payments. You know, the use cases are still, they're not mass adoption level yet. Uh, maybe we'll get there, especially with like remittances. No, so, we've been preaching remittances for years. At the end of the day, it's, it's not necessarily the technology that's the barrier there. It's the regulations and the restrictions mm-hmm. on free movement of money. That's going to be your barrier there because now you're talking about two countries. And now you got to buy yep. by the rules in both sides of the countries, and especially being in the United States. Like our set of rules you'll go to jail for in the, in, in the European Union for doing some of the things that we are required to do here. Um, wow. How do you do that? Yeah. You've even seen some esoteric cases here. I think there was a Bitcoiner who just went to jail for selling Bitcoin peer-to-peer down in Texas, I think. Really? And these are shocking cases. I, yeah, I was reading the article in Bitcoin Magazine. He's in jail now. And he's alleging that they really they got him on that, on a technicality, that he technically doesn't have a securities license or a money transmitter's license. And he was selling Bitcoin peer-to-peer in 2013 and 2014 really in small amounts just to spread awareness. And he alluded that maybe he'd done some other things that were nefarious. And that's what they really wanted him on and they couldn't get him on that. So they stuck him with this. Yeah, that's what it seemed to be. Maybe that edge case. I didn't do all the research there, but the point he was sharing with the community was they can come for you for certain things that are small outside the box use cases, but they can paint a different picture. Um, I agree. For us, to I mean, I keep making the argument that so the whole thing with the mixers. I was saying this is a free speech mm. argument, and that's what they should have been arguing from the beginning. Instead of worrying about money transmitter licenses, I'm not an attorney, but I can tell you a free speech argument is compelling because one of the first things Satoshi did was make a free speech on the blockchain, and it's there forever. We did a wedding on the blockchain, right? We put wedding vows on the blockchain. We can do things on the blockchain. That's free speech, right. and you cannot. So that that's the argument we should be having. Let's stop letting regulators push down here. We're going to do this and we're like fighting off of this thing instead of, no, this is the way it is and hammer them with, no, don't touch. This is off limits. And 
most people would agree free speech is off limits and wouldn't argue that point. Mm. Whereas money's become weaponized and, oh, you can't have criminals moving money. And you know, I don't want to have that argument anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. The intersection of money and free speech, I think money in of itself is speech. But even with PayPal and the fine that they're trying to implement around social media speech. Yeah. And so I think that's and I was really pleasantly surprised with the reaction against PayPal. Uh, and how a lot of people came out for that I were against what they were doing. But they've actually, I think, they're sneaking it back in. And it's just not getting the same press. <laughs> in a different uh, way. When they need to or when they want to. And most people, I think, will just accept it at some point. They're not going to... Like, we, we depend on PayPal. I can tell you that right now. We do payroll on PayPal because it's very difficult to operate in a lot of regions of the world, even in Bitcoin. And, uh, sure. Yeah. Have but you looked again, at something like Regulations and restrictions on free... Have you looked at something like BitWage to do payroll? Yep. Yeah. But again, it, it, if you're sending it to a country, they can't do anything with it. Then it just, it's, I've signed up for it. We've used it. It's not the end also. We use a little bit of everything, honestly. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. We use a little Bitcoin in this country and we use PayPal in this country. And yeah. So. It must be a fascinating business. The Bitcoin ATM business? Yeah. We had an epiphany recently with all the self custody and not your keys, not your coins lately. Like, it's very difficult to get coins that are self-custody. Like most people would tell you, go to an exchange, get them and then take them off. And what I tell you is you don't even have to do that. Go to an Bitcoin ATM machine, get your coins right away and hold them. They're in your custody right away. Now they're not non-AML KYC, but they are self-custody. And that's where I think people need to take control of, not everyone, most people should take control of their money. Some people need someone else holding their hand, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, what kind of people or users, and I'm sure it varies across the world, are using the ATMs? Yeah, it really does depend on where it is. And even the location where the machine is, just Army-Navy store, what kind of customers come into an Army-Navy store? That's the kind of customers you get that machine. The laundromat, you see these kinds mm. of customers. Um, so that we don't really have a specific, but we, I would say they're older though. And a lot of them don't want to do the online. They're comfortable coming up and doing the whole procedure with their ID and everything right there and instant gratification. Oh, um, interesting. But there's no real demographic. We've, they're all across the board. Everybody asks that and they're like, depends where it is. You put it in a gun shop. You get a lot of gun enthusiasts. You put it in an airplane shop. You get a lot of pilots, you know, or we get commercial truckers at one of our gas stations. Why? Cause there's a highway there and. They see it and they stop in. Yeah. I've always wondered about the Bitcoin ATM industry and even how do you choose where to put your ATM then in terms of it's all walks of life who want and use Bitcoin. But that's just it, right? So th that doesn't work. So what you're trying to do is identify a demographic that'll work better. Poor, rich. That Nope. That doesn't. It Honestly, convenience. So really what we found that works the best is a traditional ATM machine. Put it next to it. That's just convenience. Gas stations are by far. We've put them into expensive malls. We put them into... Places that, yo, know, all these people have so much money. No nope. gas stations. That's so that's the business there. What part of the world are you in? Florida. Oh, you're in. Where, where in Florida? Sarasota. Where are you yeah. from originally? Up here, up here in the cold, I bet. Yeah, I'm originally from New York, but we moved here from outside of Chicago. Are you part of the Bitcoin meetup group there? I haven't gotten involved yet. Okay. Uh, are you talking about in Tampa? No, wherever you are. If you said you mm -hmm. just moved there, there's probably, if there isn't one, you should probably start one. I run one. I run a couple of them, but it's a good way, especially to get new people come in and educate them and steer them correctly. We get scammers come and stuff like that. And you're like, no, we don't, no one coin. That's not blockchain. Don't do that. Yeah. So, we've been thinking about it. A couple of us starting one here in Sarasota. I'm surprised there isn't one. If there's not one already, yeah, you should. You should I'm pretty go. sure there's one in the Naples area. Okay. 
And I know this stuff in Tampa. Don't do it now. Nobody's interested in Bitcoin when it's 16,000. <laughs> do, it, do it when the price goes up. Oh, it's a tough for sale. Bitcoin meetup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what is your favorite thing about Bitcoin? Oh, that's truth. how I would frame it up. Truth. And I think in just various aspects as a truth machine, but it shines a light on other aspects of life, financial, social, and cultural. At least I've found Absolutely. it too. And I think it draws truth seekers to it. So I don't really think of Bitcoiners as a group or I don't think of myself as part of a group or anything like that. But I do think that if there was one thing maybe that threads the people that come to Bitcoin is that they are interested in truth. So it's a great perspective, actually. We're going we're gonna to have to take that clip and put that out there. It, I agree. I say that all the time. It's a statement of truth. It's not money. It's a statement of truth. And so you can use it as money. You can use it as a settlement service. You can use it on all these different things because what it is, it's truth. You put it out there, you know, it's not going to be changed. It's immutable. Right. That's it. That's it's just people don't realize how powerful that is. Like we've never had anything really like that before. Yeah. yeah. We've never been able to scale beyond 150 people without a central party before. That too. Right. So I mean, well, it's decentralize everything, right? That's my mantra. It always has been. Even before Bitcoin, I was trying to figure out ways to de decentralize things. It always made sense peer to peer. It's just mind boggling. And now it's now we have the tools to do a lot of this stuff. Just We've never had a greater social consensus project. True. Or a project that's reached consensus where you opt in at this size. There's never been a project this size that has social. And it's monetized, right? If it's successful, we all benefit from it, right? The internet came along, similar type thing, right? You knew this was disruptive. You knew something, but you didn't really know how to make money at it. Whereas here, raw Bitcoin goes up in price, you make money. So everyone has the same incentive that they want to have the price go up at some point. Um, maybe not sooner than later. I'd rather it stay down low. I like it here, actually. Well, this is a generational opportunity. One I myself didn't think we'd have. But yeah, it's you have to see that sort of positive side to it. That's a tremendous opportunity to stack sats for generations from now. Agreed. Yeah. And it's going to be so valuable. People will look back like, how did they know? I was like, it seems so obvious, <laughs> not, but I don't know. Not to everybody, obviously not to everybody. And that's really the opportunity at hand in terms of purchasing power. So, you know, your one Bitcoin will always equal one Bitcoin. That's where there's no risk in, but in terms of as pe more and more people plug themselves into the network and the network accrues greater value. Now the network's not accruing value. It shouldn't. People are choosing to store their value in the network and they're bringing the value they've created from elsewhere and plugging it in but the value prop or the opportunity is that purchasing power will increase as fiat becomes worth less and bitcoin's designed for a number go up because there's a finite supply and demand and adoption is a one-way street so and look, ftx collapsed at sixteen thousand. the coins just went out the window it's a nice chunk of bitcoins right there yeah, I think it is extremely bullish. There's there was 137,000 Bitcoin that people thought they owned and they don't now. That's uh, that's what I was telling people. You see some of the withdrawals on some of the exchanges were stopped. I think there's a shortage of actual Bitcoin, right? Everybody's wrapping it and creating derivatives and you know, FTX isn't the only one doing doing that. So all of a sudden people actually want to take custody and that's why people shouldn't be monitoring custody. Because there should be a run on the bank right now and vet out all the bad nonsense going on there. And that's when it hit us. Our Bitcoin ATMs are the perfect way for people to self-custody without ever going to an exchange. And there's not many ways, especially in the United States, of doing it except peer-to-peer, -peer, which is risky in of itself on both parties. And so I was like, yeah, we should really be pushing more of that. We had never 
just didn't seem that important before. I knew it was important, but it just wasn't something. As a selling point. Yeah. It's becoming a much bigger selling point. And I would push it if I was you. Yeah, no, we are. And we are because it truly is important. And you don't want to trust these exchanges, especially look at the highly regulated FTX exchange, US-based exchange. Yeah. yeah, And means absolutely nothing. And And so... How many times do we have to learn the same lesson? Yeah, it's astonishing. It has nothing to do with Bitcoin other than maybe some exposure that other people have through whatever collateralized lending situation they're in or fractional reserve Bitcoin. Well, there's a trust issue, right? So, it may so be a trust is- issue, but none of this even has nothing to do with a cryptographic currency called Bitcoin. Oh, no, absolutely yeah. not. It's yeah, like the it's banks crazy. are all, they get robbed. That doesn't make the money unsafe, right. although the money is unsafe. But that doesn't make the money unsafe. The banks just didn't have good security. FTX, Mt. Gox, all these things over. That's not the issue. But the issue is when a lot of people lose their money, they lose trust yeah. in that environment. They just toxic this, all of that. Oh, yeah. And I think in, in terms of maybe psychological impressions, I think this is a monumental setback for people. We see it in the price. Approach. Yeah. You see it in the price. and But like a lot said, of people we should be bullish at the just, fire. Poof, all this Bitcoin just got lost. Like yep. Maybe 99% of the people that were got $50 in Bitcoin on, on Robinhood or FTX and, and are running away now, but 1% will stay. I'm right. one of those 1% from 2017, where in 2018 and 2019, you're down however much percentage, maybe 75, 80, 85, 95%. And you're sitting there and you're wondering, what the hell am I doing? And if I still like this thing, why would I continue to throw bad, good money after bad? And if you don't get the conviction, then you might as well sell. But if you do the research, I've never met anyone who's done the work on Bitcoin and didn't gain the conviction. And if you've gone through this enough cycles, you start to realize this is an opportunity. um, What cycle? It's one big cycle, man. This is just a blip. (laughs) This is no cycle. Fair enough. I feel like every year in Bitcoin, it's four years. They're like Bitcoin years or dog years. But and I do think that I do think it's one big bull market since the beginning. I yeah. agree with you. Of course. 10,000%. 100%. I, I bought Bitcoin when we were at $300. Um, Are you kidding me? I never, $1,000 seemed I, like a hurdle. 10,000. Like, I agree. But if you've been through the whipsaw of just the volatility, yeah. then I think that you can gain the lessons learned from the first couple of times you've done that and have more poise as you go through it. And see more as an opportunity. Quite stop paying you attention know. to price. And you just, like you said, you accumulate, you hodl, and you don't pay attention to the price. Or if you do, you hedge it and try to, I don't know what Bitcoin's going to do tomorrow. You cannot pay attention to price. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to get a, uh, a dozen DMs and texts a day from <laughs> relatives and family trying to ask me what's going on. I so know. I, it, oh, yeah, it's hard it to just down, have your head right. in the sand. And uh, as much as I try to go through my day-to-day life, because again, I see it as savings. It's not money to be spent in six months right. to pay a water bill. And the way that savings though, is that if I had an emergency and I needed to use all my savings though, I would use my Bitcoin. Borrow uh, against it. Like Sailor says, borrow against it and use an uh, inflationary currency to borrow and pay it back. I'm getting into the point where if you had some sort of like a family member at cancer or somebody had yeah. something that like you had to come up with a lot of money. Your money is your money, whether it's in Bitcoin or yen or dollars, and you would spend it at that point. So there is, no matter how long-term you are, there might be a point in your life in the short term where you might have to use all your money for good reason. Uh, So price does have an impact. And it also depends, I think, on- When you uh, need it, the price is down, of course. Yeah, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of, I think the biggest thing is what CK has been pushing is that, you know, if you're truly bullish, then if you've been in stacking for any considerable amount of time, you probably have enough Bitcoin now. And- what he means by that, though, is that you need to get you and your family to 2030 and all your Bitcoin in stack, it, 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 all your Bitcoin intact. Because if it is going to be as big as we think, then what you have now is going to be enough. 
And you don't want to get yourself in a situation like Bitcoin Tina, where you get way out in front of your skis and you're looking to capitalize or speculate on a large portion of your stack. And then you're, you can't ride the volatility and maybe you don't have income or you, for whatever reason that, you know, so if you're having trouble sleeping at night, we, we see that at, at our machines, actually, some people, they can't pay their rent and then they come back to the machine to sell it. And I'm like, well, that, that's the thing. If you can't sleep at night or you are looking at price a lot, you might have too much Bitcoin and maybe you need to or over leverage. That's another you're over leveraged and you need to get to a position where that's what you can and want to get with you forever, or at least until hyper Bitcoinization, because you don't want to be in a position where you have X amount of Bitcoin and you're out above your skis and you end up at 2030 with a lot less than that position because you didn't manage your position well. Um, yep. That's good so, advice. That's And that's absolutely true. And that's a good way to look at it long-term because this is long-term. We can have these little short-term blips or whatever, but like you said- and you gotta be able long. to ride these waves. Amazon crashed more than 90% over three, about three times. And you know, the first two times, Apple, only Jeff and his parents held. So it's hard to hold. And I think what also a lot of people don't realize is it's harder to hold in a bull market than it is in a bear market. The bull is actually trying to throw you off. So in a bear market, right. you can only go to zero. That's what you're going to lose. In a bull market, it's almost infinite what you can lose by selling and getting thrown off early. Or shorting so, it. Yeah, We run into that in our machines where people buy it and we're not able to hedge our currency risk with the Bitcoin and Bitcoin goes up in price, even though we charge a pretty decent pre Bitcoin can swallow that up in a heartbeat. And so you have to make sure you hedge those risks and don't take those volatility risks if you can't afford it, which with Bitcoin, you can't afford it because you have no idea what it's going to do. Don't bet yeah, against it. Yeah, you never it. know when it's going to run and <laughs> you're going to be out of position. That's awesome. So what's next for you? I know you're doing podcasts and what's your goal in Bitcoin? What do you see Bitcoin doing for you? Aside from the investment side, you talk, talk more philosophical about Bitcoin. What do you think Bitcoin is? I'm uh, just enjoying the journey of learning. I enjoy doing the Bitcoin Matrix podcast. And that's been a great outlet for me in a way that I can express my joy for Bitcoin or my own or share my journey. Other than that, I don't have it. Bitcoin is already doing everything it can for everybody. And I'm just a small, I'm just trying to take part in a small part of that just buying some sats when I have some savings. And that's good enough for me. So I have no more like expectations around Bitcoin other than just doing what it's doing already. Uh, and, but you're and an evangelist just, and you're educating people. And I think that's that in itself, educating people about Bitcoin educates them about a lot of other things. I was doing a news reporter was asking me, she says, one of the things I found about Bitcoin is I started asking the questions where people started asking questions about the financial system that they live in today that they had never asked before and started mm -hmm. questioning things. that, they, And that to me, I think is super interesting that people take an interest into, wait a minute, you just assume your money works. You just assume that it works in a certain way. And when it takes, we, the United States is heading for a hiccup here. And when we do, people are going to really start questioning this and they're going to look around and go, why would I want that? That doesn't make sense anymore, especially younger people. And I think we're heading for that quickly, which I'm excited for, but you know, we'll see. It's a dynamic time. We'll see how it plays out. I hope it doesn't get too bad. I do think it's going to get worse though as we go you know, forward. And, it has to. That's yeah. the way the U.S. works. It has to, we have to fall apart to do something about it. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe they'll kick the can down the road in another 10 years. It's Remains to be seen. Who knows? Who too knows? many things. Too many things coming up. AI and it's it, it, just between AI and blockchain itself is just going to change our world in ways that we can't imagine. So not predicting that one, but excited for it. Yeah, me too. Right. Anything else we want to cover? Or we want to wrap it up, or what do we want to do? Okay. It was nice meeting you, Cedric. I definitely and really enjoy having people like you 
evangelizing for Bitcoin, educating people, telling them more about it and just trading it, money. It's, there is more to it. There's something going on here. Like you said, a big social experiment. Big. There's something more that we don't realize what's happening. And when we look back, we're going to be like, wow, we were part of that. That's awesome. Yeah, I think we're finding out about ourselves and each other. And I'm enjoying the journey incredibly. This has been a lot of fun, guys. I hope people check out the Bitcoin Matrix podcast. I definitely like to look at things philosophically and talk about the social and the cultural and economic impacts of Bitcoin on our lives beyond just price speculation and general macroeconomics. But even that plays in a bit. We just try to have a blast and try to learn as much as we can. That's awesome. Thanks for coming on, Cedric. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Eric. It's been thank great. You. Wow. What a great episode this was, Eric. I can't tell you. I am really excited about this one. I really enjoyed listening to the conversation that you both had. Cedric is definitely more philosophical about Bitcoin and treats it more than just money. This conversation was amazing. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed like just listening to his ideas and how he got to the different things and asking about being a Bitcoin maxi, which people always accuse me of. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? Why would you say that? And it's interesting to hear someone who does identify as a Bitcoin maxi, why, how they, all the things that he said, but at the end of the day, he's, he looks at it as more than just money. It's not just a trading pair on an exchange. There's an underlying asset class that we're all exploring we're playing around with, and we don't even really know the full potential yet, but it's fun to explore. And it's good to have people like him talking about things like that and really educating a lot of people and bringing the focus on Bitcoin. Absolutely. Education being paramount. Okay. For our listeners, if you're hearing this message, as always, you've listened all the way to the end of our episode, and we'd like to thank you for that. If you've liked this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast or Spotify and share the episode with your friends. If you have any questions about anything that we've talked about in today's episode, we would absolutely love to hear from you. And we will answer all the messages, so don't hesitate to reach out. You can also join us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn to continue that conversation. Until next time, thanks guys.